the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The following program is sponsored by Ron Geyer Roofing. The Bible describes events that will mark the last days, or end times. 2 Timothy 3.1 says, This know also, that in the last days perilous times shall come. Matthew 24.44 tells us, Therefore you must be ready, for the Son of Man is coming at an hour when you do not expect Him. Bible teacher Ron Geyer leads us through Scripture that will help us to remain strong in the Lord. End Time Insights with Bible teacher Ron Geyer starts now. Praise the Lord once again, everybody. Ron Geyer and Time Insights. And I love getting right into the Word. I'm sure I've got stories and anecdotes I could tell you, testimonies, but I just want to get into the Word of God because we're talking about the church at Pergamos, a great church that had false. We're talking about the false of the church at Pergamos. Two faults that Jesus pointed out. They had the doctrine of Balaam there and they had the doctrine of the Nicolaitans there. And that's where we're going to spend today's lesson on, talking about those two. Balaam. Many people thought that Balaam was a prophet. He was famous. He was rich. He was powerful. And he was not a prophet. Okay? Don't mistake that. He was a diviner. He was a witch. He was a seer. And what he did, he did for money. And so the instance that we have referenced here in Scripture, verse 14, chapter 2, the book of Revelation. Jesus is addressing the false of the church at Pergamos. But I have a few things against thee, because thou hast there them that hold the doctrine of Balaam, who taught Balak to cast a stumbling block before the children of Israel. So, let's talk about that. Balaam was an Old Testament, literally a diviner, who introduced compromise amongst God's people, Israel. As a result of his suggestion to compromise, Balaam, as his name states, ultimately caused the destruction of over 20,000 of God's children. God's children. Let me make a point here. People think that God doesn't discipline his church. Well, what were they called? They were called the children of Israel. They were God's children. What are we called? We are called children of God. We're both children of God. God punished them. He disciplined them. He corrected them. And yes, he even killed them for their outright rebellion. Don't think that the New Testament removes that characteristic of who God is. God will gladly, well, not gladly, God will wipe out 20,000 people to save 6 million in a heartbeat. You got to understand that, okay? In the Old Testament, when you had disobedient children, God said, you talk to them, you get them straight. And if they continue to rebel, you were required to take them outside the city limits and stone them to death. Why? So that they did not infect and take down the other children in the household. God doesn't fool around. God is sovereign. You need to get that settled through your head. There's this big move right now, progressive Christianity, to remove the fact that God is sovereign. Do not fall for that lie. It's out of the pit of hell. You do not take the power that you think God isn't using. That is false. 
God is sovereign. He can do what he wants, when he wants, in Jesus' name. So, Balaam gave counsel to King Balak. This is uh, Baal Peor. It was one of the heathen cities. And you had the Jews out there over in the fields. And then you had the, you had the Jewish army there. You had the Jews in the fields farming, doing whatever they were doing. And then you also had Baal Peor, the city, with their temples, their worship, their temple prostitutes, doing what demons do. And so King Balak was scared of the Jews. They were multiplying. They were prospering. He says, Balaam, you're a prophet. You're powerful. What you say comes true. And in measure, it did. And he said, I want you to curse them. And so Balaam tried. But every time Balaam went to curse Israel, God <laughs> had Balaam speak truth and blessing over Israel. Well, tell me God's not sovereign. So God used Balaam to bless Israel when Balak was paying Balaam to curse Israel. And so this is what's going on. Balak is the evil king and Balaam is false prophet, the witch. And so after three failures of Balaam to curse Israel, Balaam goes to the king and he says, look, give me all the money you're going to give me. I got a plan. This is how you can get the people of Israel to fall. And so what he did was he had the temple prostitutes come out into the fields naked and dancing and very seductive. And they were there in front of the troops, in front of the people that were doing their farming. And basically, they led Israel into going into the temple, feasting with them, committing acts of adultery, and eating meat sacrificed unto idols. So that's what was happening. Men were drawn away from their lust. I mean, what do soldiers think about, right? They think about women. And so anyway, they go ahead and they do this. And it's under the instructions of uh, Balaam that this plan is put into effect and it works. And so it says to seduce the men of the children of Israel into committing fornication and then feasting in the temple and eating food marked for sacrifice to their pagan gods. Literally, the Bible says Israel joined himself to Baal Peor. Very, very strong demon presence in that part of the wilderness where Israel was. Israel surrendered morally to Balak. You got that? They surrendered morally. You must maintain your moral stand uh, according to biblical principles in the face of whatever happens. And you cannot compromise to bend to the will of the culture. And we're going to see that's what the Nicolaitans did. That's the doctrine of the Nicolaitans. But the king Balak, he didn't have to fight against Israel to defeat them. All he had to do was use the temple harlots to seduce the men. All he had to do was follow Balaam's advice and create a scenario where Israel would be drawn away of her own lust and start behaving like the world. Verse 15. Well, we could go to Numbers 21. Just read number 21, Numbers 22. Give you a little bit of insight. What Israel actually did, they had people that brought these temple harlots into the camp of Israel. And that did it for God. That's when he just wiped him out, Phineas. Went, and he, he put a spear through the guy uh, that actually had one sleeping in his tent with him. God found the leaders. They hung the leaders. God killed 21,000, 22,000 of them because of their harlotry. And, of course, God gave them an opportunity to repent, and they did. But look at what this moral compromise did upon the Jews. 21,000 people being killed anywhere, anytime. It's called war is what it is. And, yes, it was war, right? It was not war with Baal Peor. It was God at war with the disobedient people of Israel. 
you need to remember that because you're going to see that Jesus later on in this church threatens to come to war against the church, his own church, the church of the living God. He threatens them with a bloodbath. You're going to see that. We may get there today. Amen. Verse 15. In addition to Balaam, so thou also hast them that hold the doctrine of the Nicolaitans, which thing I also hate. This is the second time Jesus mentioned the doctrine of the Nicolaitans. He does it earlier in the church over at Ephesus. Let's go in depth a bit here. Now, because we are going to see this doctrine one more time, also when we get to Thyatira, three three churches have followed the doctrine of the Nicolaitans. It was a doctrine of compromise, and it was very serious business. Jesus says there, see, thou hast them also that hold the doctrine, hold. The Greek word there, uh, it's used to mean refusing to let go of something. The implication here is that Jesus says, I have told you, get rid of this. And yet you are holding onto it. By using this word, we can understand that Christ had been dealing with them about this. And they were hardening their hearts and they were refusing his correction. That is so dangerous. Hey, time out. What is the Lord trying to correct in your church today? Hmm. I can think of several areas where we need the Lord's correction. And I actually see him, because we are intercessors, I actually see him moving on behalf to get his perfect will in our church. It, it's really exciting. But here, uh, Jesus says that, man, I've been dealing with you about this, and you're hardening your heart, and you're refusing my correction. Once again, their sin, like the sin of Israel, is that they were holding to the doctrine of moral surrender. The sin of the Israelites under Balaam was moral surrender. The doctrine of the Nicolaitans leads one into moral surrender. The Nicolaitans taught that your spirit was saved, and they are correct. That is a level of truth. But then they also felt that, well, you know, you're working in these guilds, and if you don't keep your job, you're not going to be able to get meat on the table. You're not going to be able to bring tithe to the temple. You're not going to be able to have a successful life. Therefore, it's okay. If you need to go to these guild meetings and you need to eat the meat that they sacrifice, if you need to commit some adultery and engage in this raucous behavior, it's okay to do that. You got to keep your job. And hey, man, your flesh isn't saved. Your spirit is saved. So don't worry about it. This is exactly what they were teaching. The Nicolaitans taught that your spirit was saved, but then they also felt that, well, your flesh isn't saved. It's going to do things that you have no control over. And they're right again about that. Your flesh is not saved. But then their conclusion on how to deal with that is what got Jesus upset. They're saying, therefore, go get along with your bosses and the leaders and the other pagans and pergamists. Just go along with their feast, their immorality at their meetings. After all, your spirit is still saved even after you do this. And you're only sinning with your flesh. Jesus said, that's wrong. Jesus saw this, it infuriated him. The name Nicolaitans means to conquer or to subdue the people. And that's exactly what they were doing. They were destroying the people of God. But if we look, we see that both the name of Balaam and the name Nicolaitan gives away the plot and the plan of Satan to destroy God's people. Satan, he's gotten wiser over the years. He's no dummy. Now, homosexuality is done by gay people. Nothing could be further than the truth. These people are probably the most miserable people on the planet. My, my friend Brian was just telling me a story uh, about a situation that just broke my heart about a young man that was uh, wanting a sex change operation. And it was just a terrible, terrible, terrible story. 
and he went somewhere to get it and uh, he needed money and he told his family, if you don't give it to me, the money for this exchange operation, I'm going to kill myself. And this is the type of choices people are left with in America today. And so the parents, strong Christians, said, we will pray for you. We will do anything that you need to get you back on track. But we will not support this decision. And unfortunately, the child died. And this is the stuff that they're faced every day in the city of Pergamos. As America slides further and further and further into the abyss of compromise and unholy living in the church, the stage is being set for Jesus to go to war with them in the church who practice such behavior and promote such doctrines. Uh, Renner writes this, basically, as a group or as a sect, the Nicolaitans were introducing into the church doctrines and deeds that were conquering God's people and removing God's power from their midst. Jesus died for his church, his church, not your church, not my church. It's his church, and we just belong to it. We are privileged to be a part of it. We are privileged to promote the person of Jesus Christ, who's head of this church, to introduce people to meet him as their Savior, as their Redeemer, as their Lord, as their King, as their priest. These doctrines and these deeds so infected the church, they just infuriated Jesus Christ. Rick Renner further writes about the Nicolaitans. In the Christian world today, there are spiritual leaders who, like the Nicolaitans of the past, are seeking a dangerous truce with the world under the guise of inclusiveness and compromise. Let me read that again. Christian leaders today who, like the Nicolaitans, are introducing doctrines of inclusiveness and compromise in order to seek a dangerous truce with the pagan world. Many of these erring spiritual leaders once held strong doctrinal positions, but over time they began reshaping their beliefs to meld them with society's changing moral climate. In the process, a very different gospel is being produced than what is contained in Scripture. Galatians 1, verses 6 through 7, I marvel that you were so soon removed from him that called you into the grace of Christ unto another gospel, which is not another gospel, but there be some that trouble you that would pervert the gospel of Christ. And you, know, and you need to look at your church. There's four signs of modern Nicolaitanism. One, there's no emphasis on living holy and separate from the world I cannot tell you how many times I've been to churches where they will not preach the truth in the midst of darkness because they don't want to offend people. We're supposed to be different from the world. The fact that we offend them is our witness. The fact that my life no longer goes to porno places, my life no longer gets drunk, my life doesn't hang out, doesn't watch movies that, that violate the principles of the kingdom of God. The fact that I'm willing to sit there and sacrifice and help them and love them in the midst of they can understand this. Why are you doing this for me? That's not what the world does. That's our witness. We are different. When the church no longer ceases to be different, the church is no longer separate from the world. The church is no longer the church. Four signs of modern Nicolaitanism. Number one, no Emphasis on holy and separate living from the world. Number two, no emphasis on the doctrinal teaching of the Bible. I use the teaching on women teachers, women pastors. As a matter of fact, Paul says, I do not allow women to teach in the church or to usurp authority over the man. Now, that's gotten swept away. I was watching an interview the other day with, uh, what's his name, Baudi, Baudi uh, Baucom. I'm sure I said that wrong. A uh, big black fella, loved the Lord, preaches truth, 
doesn't bend. And he was preaching against women pastors about they should not be senior pastors in the churches. Because why? Because the Bible says so. I mean, you don't need any other reason than the Bible says so. And he was being interviewed by a lady on CNN. And it was a Christian lady making the case that, well, you're just a bigot. You're just a whatever the homophobe is for women being in charge and everything. He says, hey, I will not compromise what the word of God says to fit in with this culture. I don't belong to this culture. This is not my home. I don't live here. And so he was bending over backwards to make the case. They have their place. It's not that they're lesser. It's not that we're not equal. It's just that we have our assignments from God. And women pastoring churches is not a God-given assignment. And just because a woman may be successful doing it, supposedly, doesn't justify it. So he was great. Number two, no emphasis on the doctrinal teaching of the Bible. And basically, the doctrinal teachings of the Bible that are under assault are, A, Jesus is the only way to heaven. B, Jesus paid the penalty for your sin. C, the fact that you need to be baptized in the Holy Spirit of God. Uh, D, there's only one God, only one way to heaven. I mean, these are all under assault. And this is what we need to defend. Understand, times change. People come and go. Seasons, new seasons. New years, new years. Decades are new. Centuries are new. The word of God abideth forever. I am the Lord God. I do not change. Number three, no emphasis on absolute truth or absolute biblical authority. I'm sorry. I am dogmatic. There is no truth outside or against the counsel of God, the Bible, the written word of God. God said it. It's that simple. doesn't matter whether I believe it or not. It is absolute truth. It was inspired by the Holy Spirit of God. It was written by, I think it's 66 writers, however many it is, 45 different writers. The Holy Spirit got his message across. He knows what he's doing. He says what he wants to say, and he says it properly. And it's absolute, absolute. Don't forget, if there are lies in the Bible, then the Bible is false. If Jesus ever told us something that wasn't true, then he would no longer be the perfect king, the Messiah. And he would be the perpetrator of the biggest fraud that's ever been manifested in the planet, in the history of the earth. But no, every word. There's a penalty for changing the word, because God knows it's truth. He needs you to know it's true. You need to get that down in your spirit. And of course, the last one, four signs of modern Nicolaitism. Number one, no emphasis on holy living and living separate. Number two, no emphasis on the doctrinal teaching of the Bible. Number three, no emphasis on absolute truth or absolute biblical authority. And number four, no exclusionary belief that Christ alone is the way to heaven. A quick survey note, by the way, a recent survey among most Bible-based groups in the church revealed that one-third of young Christians today, get ready, believe that the teachings of Jesus, Muhammad, Buddha, and other religious leaders all lead to heaven. And right there, A, that violates principle number four, exclusionary belief that Christ alone is the way to heaven. Number two, no emphasis on absolute truth because they say, Jesus, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but by me. Therefore, they think that the Bible is false. It violates three of those four things. Right there, just that simple little thing that there's other ways to heaven than Jesus Christ and you violated what the Bible says. You have dismissed the Bible. When you dismiss the Bible, you dismiss the God of the Bible. You dismiss your personal Savior and you're on the road to hell. And this is what Jesus had to say to them. Uh, at Pergamos. Repent, or else I will come unto thee quickly, and I will fight against them with the sword of my mouth. Oh, good. I get to talk about this today. This is huge. You got to understand this. 
How much time do I have, Brian? Do I have five minutes? <laughs> okay, I will do it. In Jesus' name, I will do it. Repent. Number one, he's telling them, repent. I love that. What does that mean? That means help is still on the table. I've not shunned you. I've not closed the door. I've not said it's too late. Repent. You still have opportunity. If you don't repent, repent or else. I got a lot of or else's as a kid, man. Ron, do this or else. Repent or else I will come unto thee quickly and I will fight against you with the sword of my mouth. So he's telling you, you can repent. That's my first choice, plan A. If you don't, I'm going to come unto you quickly. That phrase, come unto you quickly, that means I'm going to come unto you at a gallop. I'm not going to lollygag. I'm not going to drag my feet. I am coming to you as fast as my feet will carry you. I'm going to fix this. Why? Because I've told you about it before and you've disobeyed me. You chose not to repent. Now you're starting to infect others. Uh Uh-uh. Remember, I love you, but I love my church. I love everyone in my church, but I will not allow you to destroy others in my church by putting up with this false doctrine of compromise. I will not allow you to do it. I'm coming to you quickly. And when I get there, what am I going to do? I'm going to fight against you with the sword of my mouth. The sword of my mouth. Wow. Mm. Note, Jesus will not come to the church as a whole. Get this. Who's he coming to? He will come to them who are doing these things. He's not coming to the person at Pergamos that's doing right. He's coming to the person at Pergamos. Remember, thou hast them also that hold the doctrine of the Nicolaitans. He is coming to them that hold the doctrine of the Nicolaitans. Verse 14, thou hast there them that hold the doctrine of Balaam. He is coming to those that hold the doctrine of Balaam, not the entire church. He is coming quickly. In the Greek, the word is takos, and it means swift. High speed movement. He's galloping. There's an infection in his church. He wants it out before further damage occurs. We'll fight. Remember, he has already spoken to them about this, and now they are out of time. He's not coming to plead. He's not coming to convince them. He is coming to fight them. The Lord of the church, for the express purpose of defeating an opponent, is coming now. Whew. With the sword of my mouth. We know from other scriptures that the word is what delivered with the sword out of his mouth, right? It's the sharp two-edged sword. Here, though, the word for sword is rompfia, R-H-O-M-P-H-A-I-H. Check this out. This was a sword used by the Thracians in the battle with the Romans. It was the most feared weapon of its time. It was a Sith, that thing that you did wheat with, and it was strong, and it was sharp, and it had two edges, and it was on a pole. And when the Thracians came against the Romans, the Romans feared this, because it was a deadly weapon. It cut through their their armor. It cut through their bones. I mean, this was nasty, and it created a bloodbath wherever it was used. Jesus is saying, that's the sword that I'm coming to fight against you with. It's amazing. This is the love of God that we don't talk about. But look at this. Get this. This is so important. Oh, I hope I get this. The point Jesus is making, I am coming to the church that I died for, that I created, that I own. I am coming, I'm creating a bloodbath amongst those that are holding to these doctrines. But you got to understand something. The word for uh, sharp in this right here, the sharps word, the word is oxus, O-X-U-S. And it connotes clean or keen, but the word can actually be translated as vinegar. And basically the thought behind this when Jesus is coming with the sword, he is coming with a sword that has been dipped in disinfectant, that has anesthesia on its edges, and I am coming, I will put to sleep those that are not holding this doctrine. I will protect you, but I am going to massacre in a bloodbath those that are rejecting my counsel to turn away from these doctrines. You got to get that. He is performing surgery, skillful surgery, 
And while he's doing this, he is also protecting those that are not guilty of this. That's the love and the care of the Messiah for his church. He's performing surgery in the church. Yeah, he's going to deal as harshly as he can with those who are destroying the others. But he's going to protect the others. He's God. He's the Lord Jesus Christ. He is the founder and the keeper of this church that you go to. And he will fix your church if you will let him. Step number one, you've got to find out what you're doing wrong. You've got to repent of it. You've got to intercede and allow him to come. And when he shows up, pray and receive his correction that your church too can be called great and mighty for the kingdom of God. We love you. I'm Ron Geyer. We've got so much more to say about that. I rushed through that. I'm sure I'm going to finish it again when I come back next week. God bless you. We'll see you soon. Thank you for joining us for End Time Insights with Ron Geyer. Listen again next Sunday night at 8 on 100.7 The Word, where faith comes by hearing. You can also listen to the podcast of this program by going to kkht.com. If you would like to contact Ron, email him at gospelguy at comcast.net.